This episode of Noise of the Broke Boys is brought to you by Tardiness. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, is that your alarm? Are you supposed to be somewhere right now? Oh, you're too cool to be on time because you have 100 followers on social media? Okay, sorry, carry on. For those of you that do have somewhere to be but decide to still exercise tardiness despite not having a legitimate excuse, I'm here to say, head over to your local shopping department and head to the time-telling device section. Of the wide selection of watches and wall clocks, choose a few of your preference to purchase. Head over to the checkout counter to make your final purchase. Go ahead and grab a container of extra strength adhesive while you are on your way. Take the items home and once there, use the adhesive to glue the watches to your arms and the wall clocks to your body. And use the remaining adhesive to adhere your eyes open and your lips closed. Have fun with your newfound love of chronometers and adhesives. And next time, be more considerate of other people's time. And now, on to the show. In today's episode, I sit down with a b-boy I've known since high school. We attended rival schools and met in a call-out battle between the b-boys of our respective schools. He is a UC Irvine alumni and currently works as a chemist. I love goofing around with this guy and I'm excited to bring him on the show. Please enjoy this episode with my good friend, Kwa. Hello, everybody. Welcome to patient zero of the online infection of coronavirus. Yes, you heard that right. That's coronavirus, not coronavirus, although this guy might have that as well. But chrono, as in time... He's got a tardiness problem. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Today, I have a special guest. He is my friend, Kwa the Chemist. Or he used to go by quality, but he was a biter, so he changed his name. Uh, he is a B-boy. He is a actual chemist. And he's also a douchebag. How are you doing, my friend? What's up? Uh, nothing much. Um Again, my apologies for being late today. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, dude. Very, very clever, uh, impromptu fake ad as well. <laughs> <laughs> I had to shit on you for a second. <laughs> uh, so what's up, dude? Uh, you've been living out here for a minute, right? So we're out here in L.A. Uh, you've been out here since college, right? Because you went to UC Irvine. Uh, yeah, that's right. And you studied chemistry out here or something, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So... Yeah, I studied, um, first I studied biology, then I realized I hate memorizing shit, so I decided to get into chemistry because I thought organic chemistry was actually surprisingly interesting and kind of fun to do at that time, which is contradictory to what everybody around me was saying. Everyone used to say, like, man, fuck O-Chem, that shit sucks dick. And that's the reason why <laughs> I don't even want to do chemistry anymore, so... But then I was against the grain, I suppose, in this case. So I went along and did chemistry. And then after I graduated, I found a job in the area and was testing out food. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, you were like a food tester. Yeah. Oh, man. So it was you who was putting all that freaking coronavirus in the food or whatever. Uh, Is that nah. even a thing? I don't know. I'm just making shit up. Uh, no, nah, I put it in the Modelo virus. So The Modelo virus. <laughs> <laughs> That PBR virus. <laughs> well, dope, dude. So, yeah, so you are a chemist, and you are also a b-boy. He looks like a little breakdancer or something, a little 12-year-old breakdancer, bitch. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you moved out here, and you've been a b-boy f- since high school, right? I think I met you 
Man, what were you? Were probably like a freshman or something, sophomore uh, maybe. That's correct. We met during high school. Uh, I officially started back in middle school. Uh, I fir- I just saw my friend at the Buddhist temple that I go to every Saturday, and mm. uh, he was part of the. Uh, I don't know. You ever heard of Turtle Wax Crew back then in Sacramento? Turtle Wax Crew. I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah, it's like. Do a- they? <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like someone who's racing cars at night. Or so. <laughs> Turtle wax is the stuff that makes your car real shiny. Ah, uh, that's right. Um, yeah, so that was like his crew back then. You might as well call it Rice Rocket Crew. <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't doubt he drove a Rice Rocket back then too. Yeah, and it was probably busted too. It was like one of those, you know, <laughs> it's one of those messed up like CRXs with like a nice body kit but it doesn't match everything else it's like <laughs> like the color of the car is different than the color of the <laughs> oh yeah <that's... laughs> of the body kit oh <laughs> uh, yeah that was definitely playing those back in the back in those days <laughs> did you have a rice rocket oh uh, no i couldn't even afford one. Oh okay all i had back then was just a nice reliable camry a silver camry solid color all around so mm, okay so, okay, so, and so you've been breaking since middle school, and that, I guess for reference, you are how old? You're almost 30, right? Almost 30, so I'm 29 right now, so it's a, been about a little bit over 16 years since I started breaking. Okay. It's a long time. Um, it's, it's, it's so weird to me because, like, we're, like, I, I mean, maybe it's just getting old, I guess, in this scene because, like, uh, I remember being the young person in the scene and now I'm like legitimately the old person in the scene and I'm like, oh crap, dude, what the heck? It's kind of <laughs> weird to, to, to look at that because you, you go to like a, a an event or whatever, a, a breaking event, and you see, you know, 12-year-olds and stuff, 13, 14, 15, 16, all the way up to like 20-year-olds and I'm like, dang, dude, I'm 10 years older than all of you guys. Uh, so I guess it get, it just goes to show you that this is such a young, um, uh, a young, uh, dance, a young culture. Um, but you know, as we're all getting older and it's getting more popular, um, I think we're going to see more old people, older people in the scene. Mm. Um, uh, so anyways, so like what got you into hip hop? Cause you, you are from the same city that I'm from, which is Carmichael. Mm-hmm. Um, in Sacramento, which is not necessarily known for its hip hop, its rich hip hop <laughs> culture. It's not known for its rich like urban scene. It's not known f- like it's known for some cows, some old people, uh, and that's probably it. I don't know what else is it. <laughs> it's got a good school district, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we definitely do have some of that. Um, um, but yeah, so what what would what got you into to hip hop. I mean, I guess yeah, you said you're in the Buddhist temple. Um you saw someone breaking, um but is that what hooked you into it and then how did you go back home and then figure out how to do this? Oh, uh, yeah, so after I saw um my friend doing like a couple of flares and do even doing a 90 on concrete and that shit was hella cool, so I want to learn how to do that. So the only resource I had back then was I went onto my 56k dial-up internet, and I was looking for b-boy tutorials online. Mm-hmm. 
and I know this always talks of people just like kind of frowning upon, like looking at people, looking at uh, b-boy tutorials. Um, however, that was like the only resource I had at the time. So I just read into these message boards and uh, what everyone probably knew as bboy.org back in the days. Mm-hmm. So that's how I first got started. And I just started practicing flares and windmills in my living room mm. on some um, really shitty carpet where you get carpet burns. And but you have a big living room, so it's like you got some room for sure. It's definitely like enough space to like, get some yeah, breaking in. I know your your house was like freaking big. At least that one big entryway is like really big. Is that where you did it? Um, that's what I did in my later years, but in the beginning. Actually, yeah. Now that I think about it, the living room was still pretty big. Yeah. Well, because, like, I'm just comparing it to my parents' living room. And, like, there wasn't much because it was more long than it was. Like, yours is wide in all directions. My parents' was, like, shorter in one direction. So they have the couch there. And so, like, if you tried windmills, you definitely kick the couch. But um, I know yours, I don't think you would hit anything. Yeah. No, you had big room. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, there was definitely like plenty of space in the living room, uh, but when I was like a super newbie back then, I would I wanted to try to learn windmills on a smoother floor, so I had this really small like tile section between the entryway door and the living room. So I would say it's like maybe just a uh, five feet by like I don't know ten feet rectangle of tile. So I would just try to do windmills on that. Mm. So that's how I first started learning uh, windmills and. That's what got me even more into it since, like, I realized, oh, I can do this shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could try to learn some other moves. Okay. And so then 16 years later, you're still into it. You're working full-time in your chemistry thing. Or what? what is actually your exact job title? Oh, uh, so I went through a series of different um, career changes. So I, I worked over three years as a food chemist. Mm-hmm. And then I realized... This doesn't pay very well. I need to look for a new job. Oh, okay. But, you know, being like 24, 25 at the time, I don't know what to fucking do. I don't have a strong passion in this career. You'd be a broke boy (laughs) like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. I would be a broke boy if I didn't work. So all I cared about was, all right, how do I get more money? And I didn't know what to do at the time. So I just went on job boards and I tried to look for anything relevant to my skills. So I found this one small company that looked for a chemist. It said, chemist, um, this much salary and assistant project manager. I was like, what the hell is a project manager? Sounds pretty cool. Oh, okay. So you manage projects. And I guess like in the industry, what is the industry exactly? Because it's not food anymore, right? Uh, So right now, I I, I work for a biotech company that... Uh, that makes media for uh, you to develop vaccines. Or oh, they also make stuff to freeze your eggs or make your sperm swim oh. faster. Oh, so I work for that kind of company right now. And I do more of the project management stuff now rather than the laboratory work. Wait, so... <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> that just made me think of a sperm bank. Is there? Do you have like a section of the building you work in that's a sperm bank that's like... You got dudes coming in. They're like, hey, 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 guess what I got for you? (laughs) You know, that's a good question. I don't know if we have like a (laughs) reservoir of like semen in the laboratory or something for them to run their tests. I wouldn't doubt it. That's hell funny. Okay. 
So you're over there mixing freaking people's semen all day. That's what's up. <laughs> B-boy. <laughs> so you're mixing semen <laughs> by day and doing windmills by night. That's what's up. That's hella tight. Um, but so, okay, so what got you into chemistry, though? So because you, you were into breaking first um, and all of a sudden you wanted to get into chemistry and... Um, I don't know. Was that was that something you were always interested in? Um, you know, as much as I want to provide like what you what I call a LinkedIn response, which is like a very optimistic, professional sounding response, but about to be like very uh, genuine and blunt about it. I have to say, I just want to look for something that will make me money in the future. Okay. And chemistry just seemed like something a lot more feasible. Where mm. hey, I can do this shit. I can't say I love it, but it's interesting enough for me to keep going with it as. Um, at that time, like, I wasn't sure what to really do because I grew up in a family where, um, as we know, like, a lot of Asian families, especially with uh, Vietnamese families, we have a kind of like a, I guess, a prearranged kind of life stage, set um. of life stages where, okay, you're going to go to school, study biology, you're going to become either a pharmacist or a doctor. Or a nail uh, person. Nail painter? What, that, what uh, is their title? Uh, na- oh, nail salon specialist. You yeah, nail salon that? specialist. Was that in your career path at all? Oh, uh, no. That was like frowned upon by my mom, so I wouldn't oh, consider it. She's like, you know nail. <laughs> <laughs> she did not want me to get into that. <laughs> you go mix semen instead. <laughs> now, now I manage people to mix semen and okay. eggs and shit like oh, that. Oh, that's what's up. So you're like, hey, all you peasants over here mix my semen for me and they're like oh yes sir yes project manager <laughs> <laughs> especially is hey let's get this shit done on time or else i'm about to get some corporate spanking from my boss oh yeah he's <laughs> gonna throw his semen at you <laughs> you're not doing your job quack here's my semen now wipe it up and go give it to your peons <laughs> oh no i'm just trying to do my job man <laughs> oh shit damn dude all right that's tight <laughs> but I, I guess kind of going back to like uh, when I was like 18 or in the younger stages. So I never got to exercise a lot of um, my own decision making back mm. then. So I, I was just relying upon the whole, okay, I'm just going to follow this preset life stages just because mm. so, it's like guaranteed security and money. And I realized when I was shattering for a pharmacist, like it's kind of boring. It's kind of a link. I mean, I'm not going to knock on, that kind of job because that makes hella money and I respect people that go through the whole pharmacy school and go through all of that legit drug dealers uh yeah exactly <laughs> dude you, yeah you didn't want to go the drug dealer path that's what's up um so that the reason I was I'm asking about chemistry and stuff and breaking is because I, I know that you've all you grew up in like a, a situation where there was like you were kind of guided towards a certain path, but I think breaking most people that get into breaking are like kind of going against the grain usually. So I'm curious if there was like, if any like pushback from your parents to not break. Oh, (laughs) all the time. I remember like when I was in high school, I would try a session at home in the living room and the living room that you saw uh, before and I remember my stepdad would always tell me to stop doing ja- the gymnastics, as he would call it. <laughs> Don't you do that gymnastics. 
I don't even know. <laughs> what is his voice? Oh, uh, yeah. He's I guess got I'm... a regular ass voice. I just gave him a freaking southern accent. <laughs> don't you go and do these damn gymnastics over here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Just for this purpose. I, I guess we could just use that voice for now. <laughs> and then what is your mom's voice? Like, <laughs> oh, that super Vietnamese. I can't even do the accent. Ah, <laughs> uh, she she would just tell me like just a, just focus on my studies and not you bad boy kick. I keep you spanking. <laughs> she, she doesn't even sound like that. <laughs> no, your mom's Ellen nice. I like her. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just remember my parents just didn't support it because uh, my, my stepdad would hear me like flop in the living room. You hear a loud <laughs> ass thud. Oh, and he walks out of his <laughs> his office and he's just like. Tapping the ground like, dude, you flop, bro. <laughs> that would be he's like calling, <laughs> he's calling bite signs. <laughs> he's like, I know you're a biter, dude. You're only ten, but you're a biter still. <laughs> yeah, he would basically be doing that. So I, I didn't really get like a whole lot of support earlier on, but I like doing it because I thought it was cool. So yeah. I just kept on doing it, and then uh, eventually. I forgot how the story went, but I guess my my mom finally recognized that hey, Carl has some dope shit, and now <laughs> instead of like discouraging me, she's not bragging to all her friends about oh, me. That's tight. So she eventually turned around and was like, "All right, all this rolling on the ground is is kind of cool, but go be a pharmacist. But you can roll around on the ground afterwards." <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was kind of like an uns unspoken compromise because she saw that, oh, hey, Qua graduated from college and he did pretty well and he got a job and then he's still breaking. So I guess she saw from that experience, she can see that the breaking didn't really kill my, um, I guess, career path from her eyes, if you want mm. to call it that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she probably also recognized that it's like something that you love doing and that it you know, it is a creative outlet to you, and that has a lot of benefit. I mean, that I think I'm comparing it to to my parents, who my mom is an artist, my dad is a uh, you know, uh, general contractor and, and like carpenter, uh, furniture maker as well. He actually made this table. Um, so they're both like creatives, and so they were always, you know, uh, looking at breaking as. I mean, they would say, "Oh, don't break your neck, don't." you know, crash too hard or whatever, but they always looked at it as like a good thing because it was like a creative outlet to me and my brother. And so they were pretty supportive of it other than don't break your neck. <laughs> don't do them head spins, but, um, everything else they're like, yeah, that's cool. Um, so I imagine maybe your mom started seeing that as well, you know, cause chemistry, chemistry and breaking, it seems like such different things to me. And that's, I think why it's so fascinating to me that the, this is, this is your reality is that you have this very like technical um, skill set and then this very creative skill set. And I'm very curious about like how those two coincide, co collide with each other. Do you see any kind of overlap with it in terms of like maybe mentality or, anything i mean i imagine there's a lot of creativity in the work that you do but it's just not so apparent to someone who's stupid like me who wouldn't see it you know i don't know shit about chemistry i got an a in 
chemistry one, though, so <laughs> that's what's up. Hey. <laughs> Actually, I set the curve in that class. <laughs> Dude, hey, that's that's really impressive, man. A, yeah. lot, of, a lot of people fall below the curve. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, uh, I'm a chemist, dude. And then I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, you gave everyone all the smoke back there. I huh? gave them the smoke, and they're like, oh, dude, he, he's going to be such a good chemist. And then I was like, no, fuck this shit. I'm going to go uh, <laughs> study some math or whatever. I don't know. Mm. Dang, you know, actually, that's a really good question about tying in, like, I guess the chemistry background with breaking. Dang, honestly, as of right now, I I, I kept them pretty separate. I mean, mm. there's probably, like, some sort of uh, unconscious parallels that probably happened. I just never really gave that much thought about it. Well, here, here's here's something that maybe you can consider is, like, for me, I, you know, I'm an engineer. I uh, studied math and um, structural engineering in school. And so I have a very like, you, you'll have like a very set process. Uh, I mean, it's very math oriented. And so when um, I approach breaking, I have kind of like a process of doing it in a way, you know, where um, not necessarily formulaic, um, although it might look that way. It's, it's more like, so when when you get good at math right you you're not just memorizing like a bunch of formulas or something you're understanding the process of how like numbers work and how you know and variables and stuff and so uh what you do is you know how to manipulate you know a a a a, a, a mathematical equation right Mm -hmm. Um, or just a mathematical statement, you know how to alter it because you have all these tools at your disposal. And so I approach breaking kind of in the same way as where I like try to learn all these new tools so that when I come into break, I can pull pieces of it and kind of get me to wherever I want, which is the same thing as math, really. Like if you're trying to get, you're trying to turn an equation into something that's usable so you're applying all these different tools. So, you know, whatever this formula you learned back in the day or this other like uh, uh, substitution you can do. These are all little tools you use to alter the, the equation, which I know is somewhat similar in, in chemistry. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. Actually, no, I, now that you bring that up, I, I kind of like, I guess, woke up a side of my brain that uh, actually have some feedback on this. So I, I do agree um, I do see one parallel, at least, where I think you can relate to this, where we have, like, a complex problem, and if we want to be able to figure it out, we just break it down to the simplest or basic form of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I u- I definitely use that a lot more recently with when I need to fix my foundation and breaking. Like, I realize, fuck, my footwork looks like shit right now. And mm-hmm. if I want to break it down, I it guess... It always did. <laughs> <laughs> it did so much. <laughs> No, no, you're right. It, w- it it looked like shit for the longest time. And it wasn't until, like, I don't know, maybe roughly at least over two years ago, I decided mm-hmm. to try to fix it. And um, the best way to fix it, I guess, was to break it down uh, one step at a time. Because, like, if I just look at a six step, my own six step back then, yeah. I'm like, man, it looks like crap. So yeah. I decided to just break it down to, like, individual steps and how to make it look crispy. And- yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And I think that's the same with math is like you have this equation here and you can memorize that. But what's probably more important is if you learned how that equation was derived, the process of which. And so when I compare that to a six step, you have the move six step. Sure. And I, you know, you learn that. But then if your six step looks like shit, what you should be doing is looking at each of those six steps and figuring out how to make each of those six steps look better. And in a way, now you have six moves rather than one move, right? And so now instead of doing a six step, you're doing just steps and you can alter the steps as you as you want. And I think it gives you so much more depth to your dancing. And if you apply that to like literally every step you have, I think at least for me, I found that footwork you're no longer thinking about it in terms of six step, seven step, eight step, twine, whatever, all these stupid steps. I don't think of it like that anymore. I just think of it as like a certain movement, like I'll move my hip this way and turn my foot that way or whatever on my leg, or I'll have my head up higher, or have it lower, have my arm reaching out more. So it's, you know, and you're combining those moves together and then, yeah, that looks like a six step, but I can also alter it. Now it becomes like a, you know, a twine step or whatever. And so, um, yeah, know, that, that's the, that's the correlation I have with the technical background and, uh, and the creative background. No, you're absolutely right about that. Like it, it wasn't until recently when I realized the importance of like committing, for example, the hook in your six step. Uh-huh. Like, I just thought like, oh, it's just a part of the six step. But I realized, no, you got to make that hook look really good for that six step to be really good. Yeah, yeah. So. it's well, it's it's like every every piece of the move ha- it has the ability to make a statement. So if you want to make the statement at the part where you're hooking your leg around, you want to make sure that that hook looks perfect, or at exactly. least the way you want it. So because that's gonna be this, that's gonna be the exclamation point on your on your sentence, right? Um, or, you know, like, uh, um, like if you're stepping forward, like one of the one, one of the ways they do it is like, I think it'll be, it's like, uh, it's basically a step out, but you kind of stick your butt up in the air mm-hmm. from a six step. Um, all you're doing is just accentuating that one step. You're stick, sticking your hips up higher so you can see it, um. But that so that now that's the exclamation in the in the sentence. So I don't know. I think having a good uh, a good um, balance of exclamation points and subtle movement is what really makes it so interesting. The, the dancing so interesting. I agree. I I just feel like it, I guess if you want to compare it to like if you want to reach out to a broader audience ever try to draw a nice pretty picture but we can't draw this pretty picture without having a nice knowing how to draw a nice square a nice triangle a nice mm-hmm. circle or else you have like all these lopsided ass circles or ugly ass squares <laughs> yeah. your house is gonna look like shit yeah it looks like that <laughs> <laughs> um dope so like okay so in terms of creativity um like what creatively inspires you in this dance you know honestly the whole creativity part was the one i struggled the hardest with like for the longest time uh it wasn't until maybe again like roughly two years ago at the same time when i started fixing my foundation yeah my breaking that's when 
my creativity finally started like flourishing because mm. uh, back in the days, hate to admit that I most of my creativity was not really creativity. It was just uh, watching my friends, friends' ideas, well, which is basically biting. Oh, and then basically, so that's why. <laughs> so he's a biter. Huh? We got a biter here. So, so Kurt would always be roasting me about biting shit. <laughs> he's a biter. <laughs> we got a biter in the house. So uh, that was like me back in the days, and then it wasn't until like when I started like fixing my foundation, uh, when I can finally le- learn how to creatively add on to stuff. So. Uh, I guess the moral of the story being that it's really important to really build the basic b-boy foundation first because that's how the creativity starts flowing as cliche as that sounds but that shit is true and I wish I learned that like many years back and I think that would have like expanded my growth a lot faster early on but moving forward uh, going back to the creativity part and honestly a lot of it is just like just uh starts with working with my friends mm. whoever i session with and then anytime someone has a cool idea we just try to build off of that yeah yeah it's definitely helpful to have like a bunch of a group of people to kind of bounce ideas off of um a lot of times when i train with my brother well me and him are like really good at this because we just we'll do something and it's like a you know a shitty move and um uh like say he does a shitty move and i'll be like oh can you do this after it? And then he'll try it, but he'll do it shitty or whatever. And then it wasn't quite what I had in my mind, but then what he did actually looks better than what I had in my mind or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so then we were just like, Oh, that was tight. Just like clean that up or whatever. And same thing for me, I'll do a move and I'll be like, yo, what should I do after this or whatever? And so we just bounce ideas. And I think the, the part that makes it really interesting is kind of the lost in translation thing because he, he might have an idea for what I'm trying to do and he'll try to say it and I won't quite understand it, but I'll go, I think I understand. Let me try it. And it's completely the diff, uh, the wrong thing, but it's like he'll see it and go, oh, that was tight, actually. Shit, try to do that <laughs> or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, I, just play, I, it's just playing around, really. It's playing around and and not caring. I think is the the two most important things for me, at least. Um, oh, actually, no, I agree. Just I guess being in a relaxed state of mind really does. It really is important for the creativity part, especially. I don't know. You have. I'm sure you had these kind of moments when either you're in a shower or you're just taking your. Your, uh, your work shits and then all of a sudden while you're taking a shit you're like oh I have a dope idea because <laughs> you're like in this relaxed state oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah no uh, definitely like you'll have some weird ideas in the weirdest times yeah because I mean it, I think what's what's really important for creativity is to like fully immerse yourself into the moment into it. I mean they call it like a flow state where like ideas are just flowing and so it's like you're hyper focused in the moment of, you know, trying to do something. And, uh, and so I think the times when I'm most creative is when I get that flow state and I'm hyper focused on just music and, you know, just caught up in my own head trying to do something. And, but also not being afraid to just go with the flow. You know, if you, if your body is saying, do this, just 
try it. I mean, don't get injured or anything, but like see what happens. Um, yeah, and then maybe it, maybe it's dope, maybe it's whack. I don't know. But actually, I was gonna ask you about the whole flow state thing. Um, so that's like one of the topics I've been trying to explore a lot more recently, and I, I I've experienced that flow state where things just like everything you shit out just turns into gold in that moment. But I guess what I'm trying to figure out and ask from you is how do you attain this flow state a lot more consistently? Because sometimes like you, you, I'll be at practice. I'm like trying to take deep breaths and try to calm myself, but I can't always attain that flow state consistently. So I just want to ask you from from your end. I Well, so yeah, I've, I've actually been um, really interested in this topic as well. And so I've been, um, listening to a few podcasts that have experts in the field that have, you know, they're like, um, what are the scientists that study the brain? Psychology? Is that neurology? Neural, yeah, something like that. But th- basically they're studying what the brain looks like in that state. So they'll get like test subjects to like get into that state. And then they're looking at what's going on in their brain and like figuring out what was the best way to get them there. And um, I mean, I think, it hasn't been conclusive um, of what it is, but they have a few things that help. And I might get this wrong, but uh, I guess maybe it's better if I just speak from experience. What I find is that, yeah, it, it's kind of like a meditative exercise in a way. It's like you got to calm yourself and become high, like, again, hyper focused in a certain moment, which, you know, um, is is a meditative state you're you're not thinking about what anyone else is doing if anyone's looking i mean it's almost like you're in a room by yourself right and you're there you're on the ground or whatever and you're not thinking about anything other than music for instance um for me for me it's it's the easiest when you know i have this music going and you know it's like my favorite music or whatever and it's an empty room. It's just me. I find myself getting into that state a lot easier because there, there. I'm not. There's no one around me to like, you know, to give me some kind of su- subconscious uh, uh, distraction. Distraction. Or yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to like uh, perform for them or whatever. So, not that you can't do that with other people around. I mean, I, I do that all the time too. But you just, you. It's a little bit harder because you have this thing in the back of your mind that oh, there's these people here or whatever can't be crashing all over the place um (laughs) but yeah so like i think yeah if you i think the things that apply to meditation also apply to like a flow state um uh, for creativity um i don't know i'll have to send you some of the podcasts i've listened to about it because it's a it's a very interesting subject and it's not fully understood but there are a lot of methods that um, people have figured out and it's not just and it's not um it's not only for uh you know typical arts um things like you can get into like a flow a creative flow state for really anything and that's i think that's how a lot of the most the coolest accomplishments have have happened is when people get hyper focused on something and they they you know they'll come up with cool ways to do it i mean i have a I have a theory that Elon Musk is like really good at this because that guy just has some wild ass ideas all the time. And then he's also good at executing them. So, you know, I feel like he just gets into this 
crazy state of mind where he's coming up with all these ideas and then he goes okay let me reach into my deep ass pocket with all this money and now let's make it happen you know and then he's got a <laughs> rocket that's going all over the place and stuff so um but yeah uh actually kind of continuing off of that i was just kind of curious kind of a side question um i was wondering did you start drinking matcha recently because of the l-theanine uh properties it has the what um l-theanine l-theanine i have no idea what that is i drink it because it's good it tastes good <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know yeah i, I drink it because it tastes good um and it's i mean like i like coffee a lot um but sometimes coffee give you like a headache and stuff it's like matcha has some caffeine in it and um i don't know it, it's i get it's not so harsh in terms of like uh, uh, caffeine spike yeah the caffeine spike so I, I i'll drink matcha like more often now but i don't know i don't know what what is l-theanine what, uh, so l-theanine is a component in uh commonly found in matcha tea and i read this recently where um buddhist monks in japan would drink matcha tea for the l-theanine because l-theanine is supposed to be like this meditative component that helps your brain relax a lot more mm. so it, it's supposed to help them with their meditation sessions mm. and i started um i guess reading about how, how to like calm my brain down a lot better because mm -hmm. uh i go i go to jams and for some even though consciously i know that i, I feel hella nervous and i'm trying to like take deep breaths and calm myself and I've been trying to do research on how to like optimize the whole relaxation process. Yeah. So I started buying like uh, the L-theanine supplements to see that kind of helps. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say it made my sessions uh, a bit better in recent days than before. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that maybe you start drinking matcha green tea for the L-theanine. Uh, no, but maybe that, maybe that's. Maybe that's what's been helping me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I drink matcha pretty often, so. Um, and I drink a lot of tea, too. So if there's any of that L-theanine and, like, regular-ass tea, too, you know, just regular green tea, then maybe that <laughs> helps me, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I, I'll have to look into that because I've never heard of that. But, um, I mean, shit, if it helps, then that's dope. Um, I don't know. For me, I, I think... <clears throat> For me, I've always just not cared so much about what other people think. So I think that helps me a lot when I go to like an event. Um, I mean, obviously, that's not 100% true because I do care. I don't want to crash. I don't want to look like shit. Mm -hmm. But I also recognize the fact that if any of that does happen, it's not the end of the world. So that like helps me a lot. And also the experience you know i've been doing this for so long it's kind of like uh i know what to expect so i've been in this situation you know i've been dancing in front of people for like most of my life so it's you know just remembering that this isn't i'm not a newcomer to this so i can just jump in and make it happen i think that helps calm me the most you know uh, so do you like consciously perform these kind of mental exercises if you want to call it that uh i guess so yeah no i mean there's moments when like <laughs> say you're in a crazy battle and you're just getting blown the fuck up <laughs> uh that i think that's when something really sparks up in me because you know like back when i used to do martial arts that's 
um, like when you're against someone who's really good, who's just lighting you up, you know, they're like kicking and shit and you're like, Oh dude, this guy's going to knock me out or whatever. Um, you get this like fear in your body. And like, once you have a fear, you're like, I'm definitely going to lose. I'm going to get fucked up. And you have to like turn something on to, to tell yourself, you know, no, you're not going to get fucked up. You can do this. You can handle it. You know what I mean? Because you don't, you don't want to get yourself in the defeat state of mind um, when you haven't been defeated yet. I mean, even if you get knocked out, you haven't really been defeated. You want to get back up, you know, and train, get better, come back at it 100% later on, you know. Um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's always been a thing for me to, def to, to not be defeated uh, by anything. And so... Um, yeah, I think something maybe switches on in my mind to go. It, I, I've, I guess I've kind of trained this is where what I like what triggers in my mind is like. It's is kind of like a feeling of this guy is trying to take something from me. This guy's trying to like, you know, I don't know, kidnap my family or whatever, <laughs> take some shit from me. You know, like I turned some kind of like thing on in my mind where it's like in a way life or death which then makes me go okay all this scaredness is going away all this fear is going away because i don't have i have no time for that right now you know i can go back and reflect on this later but at this moment there's no time for this and so training that i think has helped me a lot not that i i'm like super good at it or anything but i think i've gotten a lot better at it um uh just because it's i'm more conscious of it um so did you uh, like start training your um, mental state a lot more recently? Uh, I, maybe not super recently. I mean, within the last probably like six or seven years. Um, it's I, I think what I've mostly trained myself in thinking is like when that happens uh, and you start having like a fear or a doubt in your mind to automatically go, no, that's not going to happen. In fact, I'm better than this. I got this. I've been in this situation many times and, you know, let's just handle this. You know, I, I you know, and, and again, yeah, this guy is trying to take something away from me, which then triggers like, I don't know if it's some like primal thing inside like humans where, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like a, maybe it's like a fight or flight kind of feeling. Mm. So then you get this adrenaline spike. So then now you're, you're more <laughs> equipped to handle that situation. Um, but yeah, I think just training yourself to think about that at that moment, the, it, like that trigger. So when you hit that fear level, automatically there's a trigger to go, no, wait, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. Um, but I've gotten better at making that happen probably in the last six or seven years. Uh, so it sounds like you're just challenging these, um, I guess, irrational fears or irrational um, moments. Yeah. Or, 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 I don't know. It's, I think, cause I think as humans, people, we all have these instincts in ourselves and we just need to know how to trigger them. And like, you know, in a, in the situation of a dance battle, I think maybe we're all like, it maybe doesn't get naturally triggered all the time for everybody. 
um, because you're not really in danger. It's just freaking somebody spinning on their head or whatever, <laughs> just some shit. And you're like, oh, I'm just getting blown up or whatever. Oh, I'm going to get fucked up and then I'm going to lose this battle, <laughs> you know? But but if you can, I guess, trigger that flight, fight or flight kind of mentality, or ma- maybe not flight, fight. fight. You're triggering the fight in you. You get that adrenaline spike. I can handle this. I'm not going to run from it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, actually, that, that's a pretty uh, interesting point. I think I might start taking notes on this. Yeah, I the you know the, one of the thing one of the things that always cross my mind when I do this is, uh, and I think it helps a lot is, um, is I imagine my grandpa who was in uh, the Japanese internment camps. I imagine how he probably felt as soon as that started happening. Cause he was probably like, you know, Oh shit, everything's getting taken from me. Fuck this. You know, it's a, yeah, it's like a fight or flight mentality at that moment. So I try to think of that and that gets me better into a state of mind. Like, okay, someone's trying to take something from me. Let's, let's fight for this, you know? So I don't know. That helps me a little bit. Um, yeah, actually, that's a, that's actually a really interesting point. To I guess try to make that conscious, continual decision to yeah. to fight rather than just caving into the oh fuck, I'm getting roasted, I'm getting smoked yeah. kind of moment. Yeah, it, it's it's hard too though because I also don't take myself too seriously. So like sometimes if I'm getting blown up, I'm like oh shit, that was a tight ass move though. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, and so. I'll like be cheering and then I'm like, oh dude, wait, what the fuck are you doing? You gotta, you gotta like battle this guy. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess fighting that laid backness too is a little bit challenging too. So I don't know, but I don't, I don't have a huge issue with the laid backness just because, you know, dancing should be fun. So if you're having fun, if you're laid back and it's fun, I think you're doing it right. If you're not having fun, then I think you're not doing it right. Oh, no, I, I totally see that. If you're having fun, it, that shit's like contagious with everybody in the room. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, other than breaking, do you have any other creative hobbies? Mm, other than breaking, I would say, I don't know if cooking counts as like a creative hobby. Yeah, I think so. At least, at least my cooking I don't know how to cook, so I'm like, oh, I want this to taste, uh, you know, acceptable. So let's throw uh, some soy sauce in it because it soy sauce is good and some <laughs> sugar or something. All right, hopefully this shit tastes good. I don't know. <laughs> uh, actually, no, uh, you're right though. Like, I guess if you learn some uh, some basic foundations of cooking, like what happens if your food is too salty? You just add a little bit of sugar to like balance it out. So I guess in a way, you're kind of making creative decisions to optimize. You're cooking for that moment. Yeah, I mean, I've, like, never learned how to cook properly. But the way I always do it is I just, like, taste it. And then I go, okay, this is, like, a little bland. I should add this. And, like, I'm familiar with flavors of, you know, different spices and stuff. So I go, okay, this probably would taste good if I threw a little bit of this on it. And then I just freaking do it. And if it tastes like shit, then whatever, I'll still eat it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'll I'll freestyle this cook. (laughs) Keiko will probably be like, this is nasty, so you got to eat it. 
And I'll just be like, okay. I mean, I've eaten worse. I mean, one, <laughs> one of my favorite foods is freaking Kraft macaroni and cheese with tuna in it. So, you know, oh, that's, that's a, a standard is kind of low. So <laughs> <laughs> I never had that combination before. I, I used to eat it all the time because uh, uh, my grandma would always cook it for us. Because it's like, I don't know, the cheapest freaking meal that you can make for like a bunch of kids. You know, it's like at that time, probably Kraft macaroni and cheese was like 50 cents and tuna can was like 50 cents or whatever. So it's like a dollar and you make the whole thing and you can feed like three kids or four kids or whatever. Dude, no, you're right. Kraft is hella cheap. I used to live off of that during um, my college days. Dude, I still eat it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's because I legitimately like it. And it's probably because I ate it as a kid. And it probably tastes disgusting to everybody else, but I like it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, anyways, my standard of cooking is very low. And so if I messed up some food, I'll probably still eat it. Just I mean, unless it's just burnt to shit or something, which, <laughs> which that's happened before, and I still <laughs> ate it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, eat that, this that's some, toast. Dude, no, that's some ghetto shit. I mean, yeah. It's just some ghetto shit just like this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think cooking has a lot of creativity in it. I mean, if you think about all the stuff you can do with food and how people learn how to do that, I don't know. I don't know any other way they could have figured it out other than just playing around with shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, who knew how to make what caramel what do you do like you cook butter and sugar and mix yeah, it or something like you got to cook it a certain way and it becomes that you know and it tastes delicious who knew that that would happen and when you cook it that way i don't know they probably just threw it all in a pan and started doing it you know or whatever i don't know yeah i don't know how like some people come up with some of the most wild things like who who knew that people would come up with like haggis for example yeah i don't know stuffing some sheep's stomach with random stuff or like i guess i don't know how people would pick open a uh, a durian from a tree and just break it up this spiky fruit and break it open and start eating it like this is spiky ass heavy fruit this looks dangerous this is like something that would kill me if it falls on my head yeah and it smells like throw up let's eat it (laughs) (laughs) that's what they thought yeah no oh man (laughs) this is actually a really funny thought because I was always like, there's so many freaking poisonous things in the world. Like, how the hell did we figure out not to eat, you know, that one specific mushroom without trial and error? <laughs> like, <laughs> yo, bro, you know, some cavemen are just like, yo, go eat that shit real quick. And then, like, the dude dies and they're like, oh, I guess we can't eat that one. <laughs> like, how how else do you figure that out? You know, there's some poisonous ass shit. You know what oh, I mean? For sure. Uh, and there's some foods where if you don't cook it the right way, then it's poisonous to you, which that's even wilder to me. Cause then that was like, yo, go eat that mushroom real quick. Oh, he died. Hey, let's try it again, but let's cook it. <laughs> hey bro, eat this cooked mushroom. Oh, you're alive. Dope. We can eat it if we cook it. <laughs> Seriously. What the hell? I don't know how that happened, but that's it. If I had a time machine, I'd love to, like, go back in time and just see, see that moment when the caveman was like, yo, eat that mushroom real quick. Yeah, that, no, that, that's crazy. I don't know how people even come up with 
just even like this. Okay, like I don't know if you ever use uh, fish sauce during cooking. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't smell the greatest. It's not something that you would drink out of, but yeah. it make it gives that amazing umami in your food when you add it into your cooking. And I don't know how people come up with like. I don't know, drying a bunch of anchovies or something. Like in a big-ass barrel, right? Like that's how they cook it or they make it. It's like a bunch of fish just in a barrel with what, like Um, vinegar or something? I don't know. Like hella salt. Salt, And and, and like they'll just collect all the drippings and that just becomes your fish sauce. And it's crazy how something with such a strong punch and smell can make your food like, wow. And actually some of it is made with like squid or something, right? Or some kind of like non-fish oh um, <laughs> i'm pretty sure some of them put like a squid or something in it. oh i wouldn't be surprised um yeah i don't know that, that's crazy how people think of this stuff back then yeah i, I mean fish sauce in general I, i'm like i wonder if what they did was they just like tried to pickle the fish and they fucked up and they're like yo we're not gonna eat this fish but this sauce smells kind of good let's throw it in our food <laughs> Let's throw it in our bland ass food <laughs> to make it taste better. <laughs> or it, you know what? Maybe they did pickle the fish and the fish was good, but they ran out of the fish. And then they're like, oh, we still need to, you know, we need to eat. All we have is rice. Let's pour this fucking sauce on it so it tastes better. <laughs> that's probably what they did. Uh, yeah, that's a possible start. I don't know. that. I mean, but that's creativity right there. Like, dude, you know, we fucked up on this <laughs> pickling. Let's try to see what happens. Um. So that's dope. So uh, have have you taken any like cooking classes or you just kind of figure it out on your, on your own? I know Vince um, is kind of like a, he, he cooks, he cooks a lot and I don't, he, I don't think he t- took any classes, but he watches a lot of YouTube videos and learns how to cook from YouTube. Um, no, I just only took like one semester of cooking class during high school just to get started and mm. then. Uh, I just learned from my mom growing up. So it's all just like informal learning here and there. And I just basically copy off of YouTube videos nowadays. Just yeah. to, and I kind of kind of figure out like there's some sort of pattern between like a lot of those videos. So that's how mm-hmm. I got started. Yeah, that's tight. So have you ever like cooked uh, a big meal, like a Thanksgiving meal or something for a bunch of people? Mm. Or is it just kind of a hobby? I guess the uh, biggest crowd of people I made food for was... It was for my R&D department in my current company. And then we had like mm. a potluck. So I just made like hell of Vietnamese spring rolls. And mm. hey, that's a pretty labor intensive because you have to like, you got to cook the pork. You got to cook the shrimp. Oh, now you got to cut up the vegetables. Now you have to roll every individual mm. roll. And I probably rolled like, I think maybe 40 rolls. 40 doesn't sound like much. No, that takes hella long. Yeah. So Especially when you fuck one up and you're like, oh, can't make, can't give them this one got to keep going. <laughs> if I did that, you know what I would have done is I would have had all the ingredients and then I would have just had the little rolls and be like, yo, just take that, dip it in the water and then you roll it yourself. You motherfucker. I'm doing this for you. Hey, hey, I already made a, all this food for you. Here's a little picked up grab instruction on how to roll your own food. Dude, I wouldn't even do that. I would just go like, yo, watch me real quick. Boop. Roll. All right. You're on your own, dude. I'm out. Peace. <laughs> I'm going to go eat something else. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good way to go about it. Have, have people figure it out. Yeah, have them figure it out because somebody had to figure it out. <laughs> okay, so cook, so cooking, um, do you have any other hobbies? Um, 
that's another hobby which is I don't actively practice it. I, I do like drawing or painting. Mm. I took one of those uh, those Groupon painting classes or those paint nights. And oh I, yeah, yeah. Like where you drink, you get drunk or whatever and paint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except the one I had um, didn't really have drinks, but I mean, usually it's one of those wine and paint nights, and I'm not into wine. But anyways, because oh, yeah. um, I've always done painting during high school, and that's like one of my first creative outlets too. Mm. So I would say. Um, yeah, I'm into. I'm not gonna say I'm Picasso or anything, but that's that's another creative outlet that I had in the past. That's tight. So, so have you done any paintings recently? I would say like about two weeks ago. Okay, I did went to like one of those paint nights. And oh, okay. It was pretty dope to just re-explore the something that I've done in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to paint all the time. Um, my, my mom, she's really into acrylic painting. Um, she And she used to be into, like, uh, uh, oil painting. Now she does a lot of watercolors, too. Um, but, you know, from a young age, she taught me how to paint. And so I used no, to paint sure. all the time. So I did this probably 10 years ago. Uh, I made this one. I don't know. This was recent because I started this podcast, and I was like, oh, I need a freaking logo. And I think I got drunk and painted this. <laughs> and then that one, I don't remember when I painted that. That was maybe like a year ago. I don't know. Um, hey, that's but <laughs> I don't really paint too often. Oh, those ones over there. Damn, those prop those are old as fuck, actually. Those are probably 10 years old, too. Um, and then I have a lot of even older stuff at my parents' house. Um, I I like painting, but I just don't have a lot of time to do it. And it's kind of messy, too. Um, and like back in the day, what I used to do is I would throw a canvas on my bed and I would paint on it. Cause I didn't have like a, you know, uh, a place to like paint. Mm -hmm. So I would just use my bed Dang. like sheet <laughs> as like the thing. So there's like, I have these old sheets and stuff that have like paint all over them because I would paint on my bed. Dang. Cause I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> hey, this, this is real broke boy stuff here, <laughs> dude. This is some real bro. I, I, I yeah, I live this life, dude. <laughs> um, hey, that's I still have those sheets, by the way, and I actually <laughs> use them still. <laughs> so that's some real broke boy shit. But uh, yeah, so I used to paint all the time, um, and yeah, I, I would actually do it a lot more often if I had more time. More recently, I've been into like music production um and it's mainly because it's a skill set i've never had before uh, other than i kind of knew how to play piano a little bit but i'm i'm not good at it or anything um so i've been getting more into that but uh painting has been a part of my life since i was a kid drawing too um and i used to do uh, uh ceramics as well um but i haven't done that in a very very long time Dang, so you've been exposed to art for, like, your, most of your life then. There's a lot of creatives in my family. I mean, my, my mom, again, is an, art, an artist, and she's an art teacher. And then my dad, um, you know, he's, you know, he makes a lot of furniture. And so, in a way, it's, he's an artist with wood. My grandpa on my mom's side, he's kind of the same way. He was a carpenter. He made a lot of furniture and stuff, uh, you know, and he... He's he's a very creative person because he would, um, you know, he'd he, you know he he has the broke boy mentality too. I mean, but I mean he 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 because he lit he came from like war times and stuff. He's from um, 
from Germany. He was an immigrant in America. He came here with like not much money and stuff. So he had to make shit happen. So in lieu of not having money to do something, it was like he had to figure out a way to do it, you know? And so you got to have some creativity, creativity to make that happen. And so I've just been surrounded by that a lot in my life. So, um, I don't know. I think that's probably why I'm so interested in so many uh, creative outlets and maybe see the creativity in other things that aren't traditionally labeled as uh, creative endeavors. Um, but you feel like a lot of those uh, past creative uh, endeavors kind of help shape your, uh, I guess, your mind's framework and when you approach the breaking, because I remember you would tell me you'd be practicing in your living room, just on the floor, just figuring out how to go from point A to point B differently? Yeah, no, it, it definitely does because, I mean, there's an argument to be made that uh, creativity is itself just a skill, you know, not just in this specific um, topic or whatever. It's a skill because in a way you have to turn – a piece of your mind on in a certain way and apply that to anything just like you would have to do with, um, with like any kind of, um, skill in terms of, you know, building something with your hands. You need to, you need to have certain skills to do that. Right. Same thing. I think with creativity is you need to have, you need to have skills to turn on this piece of your brain to do it. And I think, um, if you can do it well in one thing, say breaking, I think you can also probably do it well in other things. And that's why I think it's been easy for me to pick up a lot of things. I mean, mainly, I mean, cause I started as an artist, a, a painter mm -hmm. and I, then I got into breaking and I think a lot of those skills transferred into breaking. So breaking, I mean, not that it was easy to learn cause it takes a lot of skill to like pick up on the, the, um, the uh, athletics of it but once I got to that point and the athletics became easy I think everything just started making everything started clicking more together because now I could apply this creative uh, creativity that I've always you know been a it's always been a part of my life into this new thing and then same thing with music production uh, I, you know not that I'm good at it or anything but like I, I, learning more about uh, music theory and stuff it's just giving me more tools to play with. And then uh, that part of my brain that lets me play, which is creativity, boom, it just happens, I think. And so. Uh, uh, so you feel like a lot of those activities kind of started making your creativity muscles like get buffer and buffer each I, time. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's such a weird thing to me because, um, Cause yeah, people will ask me like, "What? How? How the hell did you do this?" And it's always just, it's creativity to me is a broke boy mentality. It's like, all right, here you have these tools. Now what can you do with it? And a lot of people would be like, "Oh, I need more tools to do something." But I, th I feel like a broke boy would be like, "Well, I need to do this." So, all right, all I have is this microphone this empty thing of coffee and this piece of paper. Let's make a fucking podcast, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like, just make it happen. That, that it's just like, make, make it happen. You know, 
and then as you refine your tools, maybe get more tools, you come back, make it better, make it better, make it better. I don't know. I guess it kind of falls in that um, the whole uh, problem solving kind of mindset, if you want yeah, to call it that. It is a problem so- solving mindset for sure. It it very much is because, um, you know, I think if you looked at any art endeavor, let's say a painting, you have this picture in your mind. Let's see what let's see what I can do. A lot of times you start drawing or painting or whatever, and it comes out a little differently than what is in your mind. But then you go, oh, actually, I like this. Let's play around with this a little bit more. Boom. Let's keep playing around. And so you're it's it's like a process of playing and doing at the same time in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Creativity is a very interesting subject to me. Uh, And uh, that's why that's that's why I like talking to to other creatives. And that's why I made this podcast to talk to other creatives to kind of more understand that process you mm. know i'm not like an expert on it or anything i mean i would say i'm not an expert at all uh i just know my own process and i think that uh other people's processes um can help me better refine my own process and um, hopefully help other people too if they're listening um so anyways i think that's a good discussion we're hitting the one hour mark at this point um uh so we can probably close the show out pretty soon um let's see i got a bunch of questions here uh uh is there anything else you want to say before we close out the show Nah, i'm pretty much good to go actually um well uh thank you guys for listening let me um Set this show up so we can turn it off uh, because uh, you know it's it's a little bit bad. Uh, Garbage day! Oh shit! You jabronis <laughs> hit the jackpot, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're gonna see some more breaking. Um. Oh shit! Thank you guys for listening. Um, this has been Noise of the Broke Boys with my friend Qua. Uh. Is there any way? What's your Instagram and everything? Where do people? Where can people find you? Uh, so, people can find me at my Instagram called uh, Quality Sesh. So that's K H O A L I T Y S E S H. Quality Sesh. Sesh. What is Sesh? Uh, it's just a short version of the word session. So that Instagram was intended just to capture all my uh, practice clips or my breaking clips, though because I. It just become kind of cumbersome to switch back and forth to my old Instagram account. I decided to use this as my primary Instagram account. So I'm pretty sure people are just clicking on clicking on follow my old account, and I just never really like check or update it. So if you want to follow me, please go to Quality Sesh. Follow him, Quality Sesh. All right, thanks for having for for showing up, man. Uh, thank uh, you for having me, and Kurt. Fu- and fuck you for being late. <laughs> All right, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Sorry this show sucks. Peace.